Auzubillahiminashaytanirrajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all day listeners. It is Wednesday the 20th of September 2023. You are joined here in the Voice of Islam studio at the Betul Fatu Mosque, the House of Victories, by myself, your usual Wednesday presenter, Muhammad Atar and brother Nuruddin Jangir. How are you doing this morning, brother? Assalamualaikum peace and blessings will be upon you. Um, I'm doing very well. Thank you for, for having me on the show. Um, yeah, looking forward to another program with yourself, Muhammad Atar. Yeah, as always, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to present here at The Voice of Islam and, you know, it's a great privilege because we get to speak about many different interesting topics and, you know, we do have many, we, we do have a, uh, interesting topics for you guys this time as well and we will be speaking to some very interesting guests as well in uh, the near future. Uh, but as for, uh, for now, as always, you know, just before getting into things, we discuss the news and the weather. Uh, so what's what's happening in the news nowadays? Well, a number of uh, the papers have led with the the news that Rishi Sunak hmm. um, is considering watering down the some of the government green policies hmm. and um, you know some some of the net zero promises that were made yeah. by the government by twenty thirty five I think it was hmm. um, for example to do with uh, boilers and petrol and diesel cars. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's going to be delaying them and he's hmm. set to announce this as well. Um, so I mean, for for some of the policies, you could say they're they're so-called green policies, because um, I wanted to hear your yeah, your take on this. Because um, you know, we discussed this on our previous shows as well. That uh, the you know before an EV, an electric vehicle, sets off, like it's on zero miles before it's made, the amount of uh, emissions it releases is uh, amounts to like a, a petrol or a diesel car running for four to five years. Really? Yeah. Because the amount of uh, emissions that goes into getting the lithium and the ion, uh, the um, batteries, the yeah. batteries, yeah. right, to dig them out, dig, dig out the lithium and the um, the other substance that they use in the batteries, make creates a lot of emissions. The big uh, machineries that they use, and like some guy actually did proper research and he presented his case that before they set off to make that battery, you have to replace it every five years, every five or ten years you have to replace it. Whereas diesel petrol cars they can go on for fifteen twenty years. So, I mean, you have to you have to see. They haven't perfected the technology yet. I personally don't think that uh, electric cars are the future. I think something maybe you know hydropowered or something like that would be the proper future in the near future. It looks like um, at the moment they're balancing but, between the yeah, lesser evil. Yeah. So, um, but <laughs> I mean, like you know, it's it, it can be a bit. Uh, it's inconvenient as well for a lot of drivers. I mean, having to if you're going on long journeys, you know, even having to wait ten minutes for a charge. It can be inconvenient as well, but obviously, if it's better for the environment, then we're all for it. But they ne- they need to make sure that they need to find a proper sustainable way to make the batteries and make the batteries last as well. Then, then it can definitely be the future. Well, it looks like uh, the good British government doesn't yeah <laughs> hasn't really got that in mind. To be honest, I think the another another problem with this is the infrastructure is not in yeah, place yet. Definitely, um, definitely. Like just like I own a a plug-in hybrid, hmm. and um, just to find um, a compatible yeah. um, one for my for my car that that is available hmm. um, is 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 an issue in itself hmm. um, because they're few and far between, and at the same time, at any given place you'll only find one or yeah. two of that specific um, charger, hmm. and that's normally taken up by somebody else. So as I said, infrastructure is a big has a big role to play in this mm. as well. Like Britain is not at a stage where we can just everybody can just start owning uh, electric vehicles. Yeah, um, and electricity is not cheap. 
Yeah, that's true. It's really it? not cheap. Like you would think that you know, it's, you're going to save a lot uh, from from petrol or diesel, but electricity is not cheap either. So it's not for the average working class uh, person. It's not. It's uh, it's not the best option right now. They can't afford to you know get rid of their old like de- someone who's who's been working for like twenty years in in um, you know in like hand to hand job trade. Um, he can't he can't get rid of his 2004 van uh, like a diesel van and just switch to an electric vehicle he can't exactly, afford yeah. it a lot of uh, a lot of these workers are going yeah. out of um, out of business as well because mm. of this because you know the grants that are offered by the government as the, well it's not enough is, is, it's, it's really it's, not enough yeah it's, uh, to just, get, it's pennies yeah, for yeah. them they can't, you can't get anything for that mm. to be honest um, which is which is in line with the with the guidelines with the with, ultra with emissions U- yeah, in particular as well. yeah yeah, and uh, so in regards to Yulez, um our mayor Sadiq Khan, he says that you know it's 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 a two for one offer for everyone that it will help with climate issues and pollution. But uh, you know, like how how many how many cars are there really? You know uh, that do produce this many emissions, and our country is just a small island nation, right? And we we, we spoke about this earlier in one of the shows that we don't even amount to like 0.0001% of emissions globally. It's the third world countries which are struggling, which we have no power over, which we, we, we what we can do for them is help them to develop further. Uh, but uh, they, they will continue with their, you know, coal mines and all, everything else that creates a lot, of, a lot of emissions. But that's how they live. That's how they survive. That's how that's what they work. And they they have no other choice. But what we can do is we can help them to you know progress further. But uh, obviously, you know, we should start by helping ourselves, cutting our emissions as well. But we will not amount to even you know a very very small change. Yeah, I guess emissions. I guess there's that side. But then there's others who will say that you know uh, the UK being one of the leading countries in the I world. I know people, people will look yeah, up to as an example. Look up to us as an example. And you know, we have to lead by example yeah. as well. Where you know, if if we're doing it, then other countries will say, look, okay, maybe we can do it as well. And uh, there's yeah. another there's another point that you know these that a lot of these well not a lot but m- many mm. of these third world countries have been exploited by mm. um, a lot of these um, you can say Western powers yeah. Yeah. and um, and I've left them in a situation where they, they it's hard for them to stand mm. on their own two feet so uh, in a sense they have play, you know we have played a role in making it difficult mm. for some countries to you know to get to that stage where they're even thinking about um, changing the infrastructure changing the the plans in terms of the green um, energy, etc. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I mean, there's always two sides to the story, um, yeah. and everyone, course. everyone has to play their role in the end for this to of work. Course, of course. It, it has to be. No, a I mean, you know, it always starts yeah. uh, by yourself as well. You know, you can't yeah. ma- d- depend depend to. Mm, you can't expect to make a change in the world without you know changing yourself first. Yeah. But uh, we can't just say like, yeah. uh, but look, America's not doing it, so we're not doing it. <laughs> of course, of so, course. So obviously, we have to, as you said, we have to all have to look after ourselves and see what we can do as uh, individuals, starting from, you know, from the lowest level all the way up to governmental levels, and then, and then from there, then on the international scale. Yeah, definitely. And that is something which uh, generally is like, um, is like a policy within Islam, just in general, hmm. how each and every individual has a responsibility towards not just themselves but to those around them hmm. and um, and that gradually builds up to like, you know domestic household and then to you know to your neighbours and then to your locality and then moving on to regional national etc definitely and in that definitely. way then then um, that is the way that generally that nations then progress um, but obviously that's something that um, the government is having issues with at the moment balancing hmm. the cost that it will have on the on the households 
uh, especially with the boilers etc and with cars as well yeah. so also, that's also on businesses there's a lot of strain on them as well to yeah. to then change um you know to you know cars which are um which are which are, which was the word which um are in accordance with the with the governmental rules that are mm. coming into play mm. um, but at the same time we're out of the EU so mm. i mean we're not but, bound to the same yeah. uh, gold but mm. at the same time it's um, if the government's made promises mm. it should it should try its best to stick to them otherwise you know people lose faith in their government that you know they make these promises and then mm. down the line they always change they go, go and change it Yeah you know before previously you know a uh, few you know 100 years back the the British empire was you know so vast so great they had great influence over the entire world they owned many different you know colonies how they got there is a different story entirely but uh, you know nowadays we're not we don't have the same standing in the world anymore no that's you know, true like um i don't know if you recently there was an interview on lbc with andrew ma and a chinese spokesperson and he he asked uh, andrew ma asked him like um uh is is china an ally is china a competitor you know what's the situation and uh, oh is china a rival so the the person you know he just like you could kind of say that he he you know he i don't know what the correct word to use here is but he kind of you know finished the argument saying that you know we're not a rival we're not a competitor anything we have no competition with with China because China is a you know le- leading world industry you know nation leading in EVs leading with the uh, you know these superconductors that are coming as well a- any form of technology any form of uh, you know ma- many different things as well like it's, it's you, well ahead yeah it's a well ahead t- compared to the rest of the world and uh, yeah Andrew Ma didn't really have anything to say which is which is true you know we're not um we 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 claim to be yeah a, a leading nation but we what we can do is we can set a good example definitely and be a leading nation and then hopefully you know others do follow suit but i think once you're when yeah. you're when you're ahead of the pack for so long it feels mm. it feels probably very very strange and weird yeah. to see others then uh, um ahead of you and doing really well definitely. and not and you're no longer the you know yeah. one of the one of the leading nations anymore definitely. in that sense definitely um but that's why there is um a lot of the media attention is on how china is a threat a threat you know and everything yeah. in america as well they're yeah. calling it a threat the uk calling they're it calling, a threat they're calling they're calling it a threat because you know they they're just excelling exactly right you know there's always there, there was a race to space you know and there's always a arms race or some sort of race but china is winning that race <laughs> in the world right now and i think it's it's uh, it's kind of low key as well in the sense yeah. that um the media here hmm. it won't highlight how well it's doing it's more yeah. along the lines of where can we show that hmm. um it's um imposing threats to hmm. to our society um and to our privacy etc yeah. like you know with the bans on tiktok etc hmm. um so there's these kind of aspects as well where hmm. they're trying I mean to have you have to you have to give them credit where credit is due like even yeah. during covid they would it, in in certain areas they would set up a hospital within days whereas we have roadworks yeah, that true. are going on for months <laughs> right so you have to look at you ha- you have to look at the good points of any anything you have to look at the, you should look at the good points and you should try and implement them Absolutely. in 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 your in your area in your nation as well the bad points obviously you know everyone has bad points but um, you learn from them you learn you learn yeah, exactly. from them right from others mistakes yeah. yeah you should look at the good points and you should try and implement them in in, in your own country in your own nation Yeah, it's uh I don't know for the for yeah. c- climate activists and everything they're probably going to be having a field day with this. Mm. Um you know the protests are going to be at large again. Yeah. And um 
just stop oil will be, <laughs> be at the peak again yeah. hearing that the government is again failing to mm. you know um live up to the to yeah. their promises and no, to but the you know uh, there's there's uh, you know proper ways of doing uh if you really want to do you know protest mm. you should do a peaceful protest right you shouldn't disrupt people's lives absolutely yeah. uh, especially you know there's been many cases where people are trying to get to the hospital and these just st- stop oil protesters are blocking the roads when these we are not the policy makers we no. cannot make any change right i uh, we understand your voting, sentiment yeah. Yeah. that you're trying to make the the you're leaders realize disrupting the wrong people yeah. yeah yeah so i mean yeah pro- protesting is not you know it's not really the way forward uh, it's not the proper way that we that what they should be doing yeah. you can understand you can understand you can understand the sentiment of yeah, course but the the methodology is probably yeah. what most people have an issue with definitely and i've just seen clips now where people are just grown tired of it hmm. and they're just driving through like they'll just barge them out of the way and just definitely. just keep driving on definitely and uh, there'll be those who say like oh, i can't believe that you know this criminal you shouldn't be hurting people mm. but at the same time there'll be those who saying they're these on guys the road, deserve it right they're, they're on, on the, the road, road they're coming in the they're way they're blocking the traffic but now the police are stepping in as well because yeah. they realize that you know these guys that what they're doing is uh, you know it's not it's not correct it's not the correct uh, method there's uh, in, in other news there's been a uh, met police officer who faces sack after tasering a 10-year-old girl, oh, a girl in goodness. south london I mean what was that for what did she do now did she just I walk d- I don't know what <laughs> she did but uh, uh, allegedly you know he um, used force against a 10 year old child which was not necessarily uh, which was not necessary reasonable and proportionate in all the circumstances um it depends what the little girl was doing like if she's carrying a knife or something that I don't understand um, but no you, I mean even then uh <laughs> it it doesn't uh, really specify what what the um, issue was i mean unless you know the girl was um, holding like a knife or a gun and you know he couldn't see any other way out of it then it's understandable but you know there's um, many many cases uh like these that occur um you know in um, in america especially you see many of these different cases that you know stuff happening against children and you know the police uh worldwide i think the you know the police department is not looked upon greatly right they people don't think that they're f- therefore people's safety and protection i think or, even or in even in america they were saying how it's not actually our duty to protect you no it's but it's in their constitution yeah. that they they their whole duty is to protect and serve no but i, m- I remember even with like these um school shootings there were yeah. times where um these kind of cases they they've gone to court hmm and you know the police were taking their time to get into there and by that time people had been killed and what not mm. and i think it was just ruled that actually it's not their duty to go in and save lives uh, they're just there to keep the order or something something along these lines and in the no, end they want the police what the then? police won the case exactly that's so that's the confusing <laughs> thing where the whole population thinks that the police are there to protect um you know the citizens and to you know keep the law 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 order but then when there somebody comes and starts shooting yeah. in the in the school they're like oh no actually we don't actually have to do anything um and it's not our, it's not and our duty and the police won this case and the police won the case so that's this like a double standard like and mm. people are confused like what are you there for then why exactly. should we trust you then exactly. if you're not there to protect us well, then it, what, uh, no, what, what are we there for but you're not upholding order then if that's happening exactly. under your watch yep. and you're supposed to uphold order yep. that's not orderly is it exactly But anyway um it's a, it's always yeah. a confusing set of situ- um, situations in America and um, yeah. 
<laughs> we hope you know, continue to baffle us. <laughs> may Allah guide uh, everyone on the right path. <laughs> Maybe they're just biding their time. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a headline uh, on BBC News: torture, rape, killings in uh, Manipur, an Indian state's brutal conflict. Uh, four men kneeling. Um, there's there's a picture of four men kneeling in the makeshift bunker, face out. Uh, over a lush greeny pa- uh, paddy field, their guns resting on a wall of cement sacks, uh, bamboo poles prop up uh, and uh, corrugated in uh, ro- tin roof. So there's a uh, you know there's um, there's been a case here in India that um, there's been many different you know um, killings, many different uh, rape victims um, in in um, Manipur. And, uh, p- you know, people are standing up against it, basically. More than 200 people have been killed in the conflict. And um, yeah, it's, it's sad to hear, but it's, yeah. it's been something which is recurring, to be honest. Yeah. In, in, in India, you know, you see these uh, in many different states that um, because, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a, what's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's such a, you know, uh, compactly, compact uh, country where there's so many people per person square mile you could basically very say. densely populated very densely populated yeah. that's the correct term yes and uh, you know there's many different cases of rape and killings every single day in, really? in India it's, it's, uh, isn't it uh, is it not the most densely populated it's got like more than a billion people right I think they have the highest population I know that okay. now they've uh, yeah. overtaken China yeah. I'm not sure about densely populated I mean mm. in, in terms of land mass it's smaller than, it's, it's, than China so yeah. I'm assuming yeah. <laughs> if you do the math then that's probably yeah. uh, will be de- more densely mm. populated so um, I mean if they, all of this is happening then again you know we can come back to this question what is the responsibility of the police right yeah is in they, they, if they are, like, that needs to be properly yeah. defined so that yeah. everyone can understand what they're actually there for, the, what they're there to do. No, but it has been. Yeah. It's everywhere, and, and yeah. you can, you can, the constitution is there. Yeah. But you know, even if you go to a police officer, you ask them these questions, they don't know. They wouldn't I mean, know themselves. I mean, even here in the UK, like um, it's only recently that mm. the the chief officer said that um, that we now will start to attend to every um, crime like mm. that, that's been reported, like. Yeah. Whereas before, unless it's something to do with, I think it was mental health or yeah, or, yeah. Or, or something petty crime. I don't mm. remember exactly mm. the terms, but now they're so they're, now they're admitting that we're going to actually now start actually yeah, dealing with we, these things. This was one of our topics, right? Yeah. The burglaries are happening yeah. so much, but now they'll start to deal with them properly. Yeah, so that's that's also showing that, that you know, there's a strain on the police absolutely, mm. um, and people are taking advantage of that. Yeah. Shops are being you know ransacked. There's places where people know they'll get away with. With mm. thefts of mm. all kinds of things from houses, from um, cars, yeah. um, to all kinds of products from shops as well, and they can't do anything. They report mm. them and nothing happens. The most that they said that they'll do recently is that mm. um, give us a CCTV image and uh, we'll publish it, and that's mm. all that. That's the most that they've been, they've been doing at the moment. Um, I mean, again, um, a lot of people actually now because of this, that and what's happening in America, they're just starting to see the police as the. Um, as the issue rather yeah. than the solution, yeah, and they wouldn't therefore, you know, report anything to them or go mm. to them for any issues that they do have, mm. knowing that they might be the ones who are going to cause trouble themselves. Like, like as you said just now, like a ten-year-old being tasered. Mm. I mean, I mean, I don't know the context, yeah, but at the same time, it seems excessive um, uh, for a police officer to to do that mm. and not be able to tackle a ten-year-old, um, you know, without tasering them seems seems a bit strange. Unless, of course, as you said, there the could mm. be. Um, a knife or a gun involved a weapon which would be a threat to the police 
But anyway, on the on the topic of kids again, there's mm. um you know the the Daily Mirror has also gone for this for the headline with regards to you know the the schools in the UK how yeah. one in ten um, schools is affected by the crumbling crumbling concrete. Mm. Um, but then you know the 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 port uh, the the glib education secretary's response to this um the um the tory um secretary she she said that kids actually are happy in porter cabin classrooms and that's just been like a um it's just taken a whole tidal wave of um of mockery uh, mm. to her from the from labor and from other opposition as well how you know how could they how could they like prefer to be outside the normal classroom setting and in a port cabin which is like a temporary yeah. just little cabin that they yeah. all just stuffed into mm. um so it's a bit strange just I, I remember um in my primary school i think it was yeah. there was a time where they were building a new section mm. to our mm. to our school and so we had to go into the port cabins mm. and we always thought that this is just some temporary thing so yeah, we just Yeah, no, that stays there for 10 15 years it <laughs> I, never goes I, away. I've, I've gone there <laughs> about 20 years later and it's still there. <laughs> it's still there, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean even even uh yeah, yeah, in, in in our school we had those we had those cabins as well and they were just not they they're just there. They're part of the school now. <laughs> <laughs> they they're always so gloomy and just yeah. like just like oh god, it's like there's it's probably mold in here or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway it's, uh, it's it's another big topic at the moment with mm. um you know so many schools in the UK being affected by this. Yeah. And uh, I can see why the government wants to um deal with this issue. Mm. Like if you think back to Grenfell yeah. and think about the issue that happened there obviously there was the lack of um action that was taken by the government to mm. um you know to to deal with these things beforehand to, to prevent such um um disasters from taking place. Hmm. So it seems that they're trying to do the same thing here again. I don't know what the urgency is. Um yeah. I don't know if like um if there's like some impending doom and gloom and stuff like that's about to happen. Hopefully not fingers crossed. Hmm. Um but at the same time um it, it it's going to affect a lot of kids and affect a lot of families as well. Um teachers as well and hopefully um it doesn't have such a negative impact and they can quickly move on from this phase. Hmm. Yeah, so so uh, just in relation to the um, you know the 10 year old girl being tasered uh, the police officer you know they re- received a report of a girl threatening a woman with garden shears and a hammer and that's that's she threatened a woman with garden shears and a hammer yeah that's that's Goodness. why they took action well, but um, you know i mean um, i think she's she's a 10 year old girl yeah. and they you know grown men police officers they've gone through you know excessive training mm. so i think they sh- they should have been able to handle the situation mm. i mean i i don't understand how can you can use garden shears with with in one hand and yeah. a hammer in the other yeah. <laughs> how are you supposed to yeah. <laughs> cut the shears yeah. <laughs> but um, i mean again well mm. it, we don't know would, the situation yeah it could it but could well be know, that he's he is being um, sacked so for for using excessive force oh, okay in america mm. he would have got a job back after like, a couple of weeks or something <laughs> um but yeah that's that's the case that's a lot of the news have now also been covering the story <clears throat> about um Russell Brand as well hmm. um they're calling him toxic brand in the metro yeah um youtube have also now blocked um his videos from making any money hmm. um i think also c4 and bbc they they've started removing him from the streaming sites hmm. and he's also quit businesses and closed some pubs um due to this growing crisis okay again um i don't think there were any charges that were that were brought forth against mm. him it was just um accusations right yeah nothing which was it was a formal uh, a charge in terms of the to uh, to the police mm. um 
but at the same time so it's it's all speculation at the mm. moment we it's just one somebody's word against the other yeah um no, i mean uh, you know in uh, today's day and uh, age we're going through something called cancel culture yeah you know as soon as you hear a tiny bit of rumor the first thing that will happen is you will be proven guilty yeah so you're in, guilty, proven, gu- guilty, guilty before innocent yeah right? you're guilty until until yeah. proven innocent until, until proven innocent <laughs> that's the case nowadays so um And you know, you know we, we don't know the truth behind what yeah. happened but you know you should always uh, in Islam teaches us not to do something called which is called uh, you know badzani ill thinking of others yeah. or thinking bad of others mm-hmm. thinking they've assuming something wrong about someone else at the same time it also speaks about not throwing allegations on yeah. people um illegitimately mm. in the sense that um Because, you have to have there's proof. a punishment have to there's have proof, a punishment right? for exactly. also those who yeah. um raise accusations without any proof mm. and um and so has there's a very stringent um um set of rules in place yeah. um because, because especially when it comes to you know sexual assault and especially stuff. yeah ex- yes. you know because the issue is not just that um it's not just the case that you know somebody can accuse you and then mm. you know if it's not true then you get on like on with life that mm. can actually ruin that person's life as well Definitely. where Definitely. you know such people like you've seen in the past how mm. you know these these accusations have been raised again even like let's just say footballers let's say mm. just a small example um they're accused of rape or they're mm. accused of you know beating uh, domestic mm. violence the first thing that will happen just as soon as someone drops a story first thing that will happen everyone cuts ties with them exactly. all their contracts get cancelled yeah. sponsors everything gets cancelled they're canceled. not playing football anymore yeah. for a long time and they're waiting waiting mm. waiting for their court case and all in the meantime they're losing you know months and years yeah. of their career yeah. um and so and so when they come out um you know not get proven not guilty mm. or there's no case left of it yeah. um, we're not defending i'm not mm. defending them in any any way shape or form yeah. at the moment because i don't i don't know the truth mm. but at the same time what i'm trying to what I'm trying to show is that lives are ruined through these mm. accusations mm. and so you know if you if um if you're not able to prove uh, something like that or mm. if you're there will be those who do have ill intentions and just want to just ruin somebody's reputation or ruin their career yeah. and that kind of thing is something which is repudiated in Islam mm. um and so you know there's 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 a as i said a strict set of rules in place mm. for um for the procedure when 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 raising an allegation against a person or definitely, an accusation definitely. um so it's so bringing it back to the story um mm. you know uh, Russell Brand like, I don't know how he how he treated his uh, yeah. um uh, the people who worked alongside him mm. um and I don't think any of us um do only those who actually there and yeah. who witnessed it firsthand or who who were involved in this kind of thing mm. will know how it was and um it's up to them to then bring the evidence now because now the allegations are there the accusations are there um it's about proving it as well now because mm. otherwise um it's another innocent well if innocent yeah. an innocent an innocent person person's life ruined already like you know you're taking away their income you're taking away their definitely um you know i mean you can you can also take uh, you know johnny depp he's a famous celebrity yes. or well, you can take his example as well yeah. the the you know rigorous uh, <laughs> case that he went through uh, and you know all the hate that he got as well but you know he was proven innocent yeah. in 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 the matter and you know um he was uh, sponsored by dior as well it's a perfume brand they dropped him as well and you know he was going to be potentially in the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie they dropped him as well but then you know uh yeah that's that's the case and I, that's I like think, like he's Dior, iconic Dior, Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean yeah. he's you, yeah. you think of Johnny Depp yeah. as well I think Dior, Dior didn't drop him they they might have like stuck by him but a, a lot of other stuff happened with him as well but then you know he was proven innocent so that's why you know Islam's teaching us teachings they they're concrete mm. right they t- they tell you you know you have to have witnesses and it's um 
you know the 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 punishment for 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 this is uh so there is um, the the reason to provide the witnesses is so you know there is no disorder created in the society that's the that's the main issue right and uh, people think twice yeah. before you know raising yeah. accusa- raising, making, raising making accusations making against people false accusations yeah. especially so it's a deterrent in a way definitely, but at the same time definitely. um you know people will be saying like what if you know in terms of hmm. these like rape cases or hmm. sexual assault it's just one just the, this is the accuser and the accused hmm. um, involved and nobody else will see that yeah. there's also rules for that as well exactly. and um and even then um hmm. you know there the, there are ways for the, that person to get to get justice as well definitely and in the end because um as as it's in it's, it's an islamic system hmm. there's also that belief in god almighty as well hmm. who's just so the way that they would go through that is also to believe that god almighty yeah. will eventually he will um give retribution hmm. take retribution from hmm. from whoever's in the wrong Definitely. Um so there's there's also that belief system has, is all intrinsic intrinsic within that hmm. within that whole um, law and order hmm. uh, that Islam presents. So I mean in the end we're not <laughs> we're not discussing that's not the case yeah. here in the, in this uh, yeah. situation. Um but it just goes to show that sometimes the systems that we that are hmm. in place they're not um they're not it's not doing enough to um protect um the innocence or those who Definitely. are falsely accused or in the case or could be in the case where those who are accusing are mm. are the ones who have been uh, wronged and um and they they might not even get their way as well mm. i mean there's a lot of people who also say that there's also this um um if you're a big celebrity and you have you have this power and you have mm. the the better lawyers and you have you know you have a better chance of winning these cases yeah. even if you are 100% um in the wrong mm. like you can you can see look back to even Donald Trump as well yeah. uh, there's there's so many cases that were against him as well mm. but he seems to just win at all the litigations and yeah. <laughs> and beat them all um even though even though sometimes yeah, it but feels like it's no, clear as day but you you don't know that if that's true as well that's true, you know yeah. there's there's so many people that are against him mm. you never know he could be being set up yeah i mean again we it's don't know exactly, we don't, we don't know, know the yeah. situation right yeah. we don't know the full story only you know god knows and um, yeah hopefully you know things sort themselves out the thing is there's so much corruption in the mm-hmm. world in today's day and age it's true as it says in the holy quran zahar al fasadu fil barri wal bahr that you know there there will be um disorder disorder has become manifest in, in, will, will, will be manifest in 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 the land and you know in 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 the seas mm. right but um that's exactly that, what's happening and exactly. uh, unfolding before our eyes but um you know i mean we're we're here in the voice of islam and we're mm. here to present the the true islamic teachings and yeah. uh, hopefully people will learn a few of the solutions that islam actually uh, presents to some mm. of these uh, major issues that are recurring around the world definitely what's happening in the in the weather Any in the idea? weather yeah. the weather is looking like you know especially here in <laughs> london it looks like it's going back to you know the old uh, good old gloomy days <laughs> with the and the it's, it's it's been quite cold for the last 2 uh, 3 days right i i was i was discussing with somebody else recently yeah. like um i normally really enjoy the the, the summer i I, the su- i enjoy the sun mm. and i enjoy i enjoy having that you know the rays of sun on my face and stuff yeah at the same time you come to appreciate um the UK weather a bit more <laughs> i used to complain so much about the rain and the cold mm. and the wind and everything um but then you realize like you know there's all these seasons in place yeah. and each of them has their own value mm. and without them it feels like you can't live in in one of the seasons for for too long otherwise yeah. you become if it's, if it's the heat you become so like you know sweaty all the time yeah. and you like you like get tired of it and you you know become lethargic mm. uh, if you're in the cold too much you know you get frozen you get sick a lot 
Um, mm. And then there's when it's when it's autumn, it seems all gloomy and stuff, mm. and um, you know it can have effect on your on your temperament as well. Mm. So um, just just seeing just having the different seasons in itself is is a bit of a blessing as well. I started mm. to realize because it yeah. makes you realize how good something the, the other yeah. seasons are basically the good ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know we discussed uh, we've discussed this topic as well quite a few times here, especially on the Wednesday uh, breakfast show. Seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Called it sad. Right, <laughs> so oh uh, especially in the winter days, that people get um, more really down and depressed. More, more down and depressed yeah. because you know the, the the sun has a great impact on our lives as well, yeah. on our mental health as well. Like when it's outside, it's, it's the sun is shining. You know, you feel you feel good. You're happy. You got You're happy. On your face, yeah. Right, and, and then you hear now, like you know, especially in the winter, the sun is gonna around four or five o'clock. It's gonna start getting dark, and then you just you just feel a bit down. You you leave early in the morning, uh, like say you go to work at seven, eight. The lights just coming out, and then you come home. It's already dark, like exactly now. Yeah, and now the days and are the getting days shorter. Are, the days shorter are getting shorter as well. So it does yeah. have an effect, you know. Yeah. Um. I mean, putting kids to bed as well has been a yeah. bit struggle in the in the summer. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like when it's when it's their yeah. bedtime and it's like fully, the sun is still out and mm. it's shining, and the kids are like, "Why are we going to bed? <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's bedtime right now." Yeah. And in the winter, it's like a it's like a a dream. <laughs> we can put them to sleep early and stuff, and Definitely. you know. Um, but anyway, mm. the the weather at the moment is um, pretty cloudy. It's pretty cloudy, and it's gonna stay like this, and it's gonna you know be it's gonna be raining a little bit as well. It was yeah. drizzling on the way here this morning as yeah. well. Yeah, but there's the, later on in the day, at around twelve yeah. o'clock onwards or one o'clock onwards, there's high levels of uh, precipitation, so mm. there's gonna be rain. Um, well, we never know in the UK, but it looks yeah. like it a lot right now, yeah. as well, doesn't it? Like Definitely. the clouds are um, they're forming. They're, yeah, they, they are have forming. formed. I don't mind. I don't mind a nice bit of as long as it's, as long as it's dry. Mm. <laughs> you know, there was a thunder a few days ago as well. I Did you see the lightning? It was like yeah, a, the, it was the a whole show going thunder. on. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it <was laughs> like paparazzi were outside. <laughs> they're taking pictures with their definitely, flash. Definitely. So, yeah. dear listeners, we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far. We'll be taking a very short break, and then we will be getting into our first segment of the morning, where we'll be discussing targeting microbes to treat heart disease. Don't go anywhere, and please do join us after a very short break. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. Then arise and repent, and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the day of judgment. But a person who goes beyond the limit in wrongdoing, transgression, disobedience, and vice is punished in this life. Such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. So hasten to win God's pleasure, and before the dreadful day arrives, namely the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent. To the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart, He can forgive the sins spread over seventy years. Do not say the repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful welcome back to the breakfast show dear listeners so we'll be delving straight into our first segment of the morning targeting microbes to treat heart disease 
Inhibitors that target uh, gut microbial enzymes are likely the key to treating a variety of cardiovascular diseases, some of which have no cure. So just, you know, let's uh, get into it by speaking to our first guest of the morning, who is an expert in this, and then we can, you know, discuss this further. So we have Amy, Amy Leckie, who um, is a health promotion support officer at, the, at Heart Research UK. Um, heart Research UK is, um, is a charity dedicated to your heart. They're confronting heart diseases by investing in pioneering medical research, groundbreaking training and education, and in communities to improve their health, their heart health for themselves. Uh, good morning, Lecky, and thank you for uh, Amy Lecky for coming on the show. Is it Amy or is it Amy? I, 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 I apologize. Amy, that's right. Yeah. Amy thought. Thank God, I got it right the first time. Then, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. good morning. Thank you for for coming on the show. Um, I hope you're having a good morning so far. Um, so, to to begin with, could you just um, outline your aims as an organisation? Yeah, of course. So, um, well, we are a medical research charity, and you know, we invest in life-saving medical research into the prevention, the treatment, and the cure of heart diseases. And uh, here at Heart Research UK, our strap line is "Until there are no more deaths from heart disease." So, ultimately, our overall aim is just to save lives, really, and we'll continue our work until people stop dying from heart diseases. Very noble cause. Um, but of course, um, the, the question is, um, why is it so important to, to look after our cardiovascular health? Yeah, well, I think to understand why it's important, it's probably worth giving um, you an idea of the scale of the problem. So there are an estimated 7.6 million people living with cardiovascular disease in the UK, which is, you know, it's over 10% of the population. So it's a massive problem. Um and coronary heart disease is one of the single biggest killers. And two statistics that I think just really help people sort of understand the uh, impact is that it actually kills more than twice as many women as breast cancer and four times as many uh, men as prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And those are two that you quite often think about, you know, when you're thinking about illnesses and, and deaths. Um, and I think the reason why it's so important is that the vast majority of these cases are preventable. Um, so that's why important, you know, that's why it's important to look after your cardiovascular health. So you don't end up being one of these statistics, you know, dying needlessly from a disease which isn't, you know, mostly preventable through lifestyle changes. Absolutely. I mean, there's obviously different lifestyles that people have, um, you know, around the world as well. Um, just but within here in the UK, I mean, we have, a, I, I believe we do have an um, Okay, a big issue with uh, obesity as well and yeah. um, obviously there's a link there as well I mean the way that we the habits that we have with eating and you know with the lack of um, sports and you know exercise I'm, I'm uh-huh. sure that these all tie in with the with the, with, with the topic at hand but um, you know which which lifestyle habits actually increase the chance of having cardiovascular disease yeah so there's some main ones where most of the research has been done and you know we know these are definitely having a direct link so things like smoking um excess alcohol consumption and a poor diet and as you mentioned you know a sedentary lifestyle so not exercising or moving around as much um but other things as well you know like even just poor quality or lack of sleep um or leading a stressful life these can all increase the risk as well um so yeah it's really important that we're aware of these risk factors so that we can put things in place you know to change our lifestyle and our habits um, and ultimately decrease our risk. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, um, it's a, it's obviously a big issue in this one that's been uh, for a long time, I'm assuming. So, um, mm-hmm. 
and it's, it's something which is you know a lot of us need to tackle. I know I know in in certain cultures as well, it's um, probably more prevalent in certain um, uh, certain back That's ethnic right. backgrounds as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it could could also be because of the the type of food that they eat as well. Um, could have more, str- more strain on the on the heart. I'm assuming. So, is there any any in, insight you have into that? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, maybe somebody's um, a more sort of native diet tends to be um, better for heart health. And then when you come and live here in the you know when people maybe migrate or come and live here in the UK, their diet changes massively, um, and then the risk increases. But there is some genetics that do play a part here as well. Um, you know, but yeah, ultimately, you know, I mean, it's the same in a lot of other places in the world, but the UK. Uh, we do have, in general, quite a poor diet on the public level. So would you say, like, um, having a varied diet would improve our physical health in general, or um, is it just is it certain foods that we need to avoid? Well, what is the case here? Yeah, so, I mean, having a varied and balanced diet will, it, I mean, it will pretty much it positively impact every single aspect of our health, including our heart health. So... We know that eating a varied diet, so lots of different types of foods, um, we'll make sure that we're getting lots of different vitamins and minerals, and you know our body needs these to carry out all the functions that it does just day to day. And I know specifically, I know you've been or you're going to be discussing gut health today, and there's some links there as well because um, we know that you know we're specifically talking about gut health when consuming lots of fibre. Um, that you'd get from, you know, plant foods, so lots of fruits and vegetables. That's really important for feeding those, um, you know, the bacteria in our microbiome, keeping our gut healthy. But then also by eating a diet rich in fibre, we can improve our cholesterol levels, which reduces our risk of heart diseases. So cholesterol is one of sort of the key markers that we would look at. So, yeah, I guess, although, we're you know, we're a heart health charity, and we talk a lot about heart health, but yeah. ultimately it's all connected, really. Yeah, I was going to ask um, some. Some people might be thinking, like, what has gut health got to do with uh, with the heart, and how is that affecting the cardiovascular diseases as well? Uh, but yeah. as you've put it, you know, cholesterol has a big big role to play in that as well, and the types of yeah. foods that we also can, you know, can can imbalance that, and um, you know, cause cause different issues um, in the veins and the arteries, and leading to the hearts as well. Um, yeah, absolutely, and and I think a lot of it comes down to how we just if we feel our best then we're more able to make those positive lifestyle changes, whether that be to impact our heart health or any other, you know, area of our health. And actually gut health does play into that quite a lot because if we're uncomfortable and we're maybe, you know, not feeling energised, then we're not going to be really, uh, you know, motivated to make the best choice. Um, So it all ties in. There is some research going on specifically relating to certain types of strains of bacteria in the um, gut and whether these impact the development of cardiovascular diseases but I just think at this stage more research is needed really. Absolutely. There's another thing I wanted to ask because um, it's it's a bit of an issue as well and it's, and it's to do with antibiotics um, mm. because obviously there's this controversy with um, in terms of the more antibiotics you take um, the more risk there is of you know killing actually good bacteria which is in the gut and uh-huh. you know um, would you have any like um, insight into how this may also be playing a role in maybe increasing in the likelihood of having cardiovascular diseases. Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, doctors on the whole in the UK are are less, they don't want to prescribe antibiotics as much as maybe has been in the past. So I think everybody sort of knows that there is, um, they're having an impact. 
Um, specifically relating to heart disease, I, I don't think there's enough research there for us to be able to say at this point yeah. um, how much of an impact, say, you know, antibiotics could have on the development of cardiovascular diseases. Um, but I think that's why it's just so important, you know, to just make sure that you're doing your best to eat a varied diet and consuming lots of plant foods because that's ultimately what keeps your, you know, your gut and your uh, microbiome healthy. Um, but yes, yeah, so I hope that helps a little of bit of course absolutely that. i think maybe more research is needed yeah. just one last thing um you know we we say this a lot how we need to have a, a balanced diet we need to have our five uh fruit and veg a day uh, a day fruit five fruits a day right that's what they say right um yeah. you know but at the, at the moment if you think about it practically a lot of people will be in households where they're struggling to make ends meet and yeah. you know to have such a diet is probably seen as um a luxury and it, it will be difficult for, for them to, you know, to, to be able to afford to have five fruit a day for the whole family, um, you know, and, and to and, and the cheaper options, the ones which are probably more unhealthy are the ones which they would, um, vi- uh, you know, go for. So, yeah. you know, what do how, how do we tackle such a situation? What, you know, is there something that your charity, um, you know, probably helps in, in a way to, to raise awareness or to... Um, you know, to help people to get on their feet to, you know, to, to moving away from such unhealthy diets? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think the key here is education. So um, actually eating health, you know, healthily doesn't have to cost a lot of money. So, you know, veg, you know the, the guidance is five fruits or, and vegetables a day. So ideally we wouldn't like to see somebody just eating five portions of fruit. It, that would be made up of fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Um, and you know a bag of carrots doesn't really cost that much it's not you know it's not going to break the bank I guess and I think actually a bag of carrots is probably comparable to maybe some other foods that families might be choosing in terms of price that are maybe less healthy Um, so there is ways to keep the cost down and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money but I think the problem is education and and you're right I think there is a, a, um, you know a belief that eating well has to cost a lot of money so what we do at Heart Research UK is we actually fund, um, we call them our Healthy Heart Grants. So we fund community projects, sort of grassroots organisations that are working, you know, in local commun- communities across the UK. And a lot of those projects, um, I was just visiting one a couple of weeks ago in Wales, actually, um, focuses on like cooking lessons and know teaching people about like what ingredients they can buy in bulk or buy at low cost and how to you know use them in recipes that are heart healthy um so yeah i think i think ultimately it comes down to education which is something that we're trying you know we're we're trying to teach people how to eat healthy on a budget because we appreciate in the you know the time that we're in now everybody's struggling a little bit yeah yeah amy thank you very much for for joining us it's been a pleasure to speak to you and uh, you know we've learned a lot as well um, on this topic. Thank you, thank you for being with us, and have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was uh, Amy Leckie, who is the health promotion support officer at Heart Research UK. She's given us some, I guess, some some really good points mm. to think about, and um, you know the, the awareness that they're raising um, in terms of you know education of you know how to have a, a balanced diet, how to mm. live a more healthy lifestyle. Yeah, uh, these kind of things are obviously very important when it comes to the topic of you know, heart diseases and, um, you know, Definitely. cardiovascular diseases that, that, that have been at hand. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an important subject mm. and, you know, something which 
as she said, it's, it, it, it's a bigger causes more deaths than even some other some other things, some other diseases that um, um, that are, are probably are given more attention in the news. Mm. Um, but yeah, we and she mentioned that you know more than ten percent of uh, um, you know UK's population have some sort of like heart disease, right? Yeah, and that is a, it's a serious cause. So you know it needs to be looked into properly. And, you know, uh, we are coming to a close uh, and we are going to be taking the break for the news and then we'll be discussing this further uh, where we'll be speaking more about what microbes are, what they do, how they work and how they, you know, react to the body. So don't go anywhere and please do join us after a very short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show dear listeners. So we were discussing our first segment of the morning targeting microbes to treat heart disease. Uh, what are microbes? Microbes are microscopic organisms. Um, which are a living thing that is too small to be seen by the naked eye. We need to use a microscope to see them. They live in water, soil and in the air. The human body is home to millions of these microbes, uh, which are called microorganisms. Some microbes make us sick and others are important for our health. Microbes that cause diseases are called pathogens. The most common types of bacteria, viruses and fungi, they're also um, these are also called microbes that are called protoza, protozoa. Uh, they are tiny living things that are responsible for disease such as um, malaria. Uh, bacteria are also, you know, microscopic uh, organisms. So th- we, can, they, you know, how in in yogurt as well, yogurt is uh, you know made of um, mi- mi- microorganisms as well, right? But it's, it's healthy bacteria. Mm-hmm. It is essentially bacteria, but it's healthy bacteria. So microbes, you know, they can be, as I mentioned earlier, they can be good for you as well or bad for you. So, you know, they're working on using these microbes to treat uh, cardiovascular diseases. Uh, there was also, um, I think in the article, they talked about the natural body flora. Yeah. And re- uh, listeners might be thinking, what was, what was that? Hmm. So there's actually there's actually strong evidence that m- these microbes, they contribute to many non-infectious um, chronic diseases such as forms of cancer mm. and coronary heart disease which we're, we're talking about yeah so the human body contains about 1013 cells routinely harbors about 1014 bacteria mm. so that's a i mean just 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 to think about how many bacteria are just in the body is it's, yeah. it's in the thousands yeah and uh and this pop, this bacterial population constitutes of the normal microbial flora, hmm. um, the normal microbial flora is relatively stable, hmm. um, and more microorganisms of the of the normal flora they they actually might aid the host, meaning like the the body that, hmm. that they're in, um, and and they could even harm the host. Yeah. So I mean, there's um, there's both sides to it as well. So hmm. yeah, so it's about um, about trying to target what they're trying to do is target the ones which are beneficial for yeah. for the body and to help in reduce. Um, you know the the effects hmm. or the or what leads to to cardiovascular diseases or even to as uh, as was mentioned some forms of cancer as well. Hmm. Um, so I mean this is something which is um, it's just some 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 research which is really 
um, important. And like um, like Amy mentioned, our our guest earlier yeah. from Heart UK, uh, Heart was it uh, Heart Research UK? Yes. Um, she mentioned how their 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 slogan is all about mm. um, not stopping until until there's no more deaths uh, from heart disease. So I mean, this kind of thing when this kind of story breaks, then it's obviously mm. then it's a good welcome welcome news to. Um, you know, to help in that that goal, that objective that they do have, um, mm. and you know, these it seems like this kind of story is is what what the world the world needs to start hearing more about. Definitely. So, according to you know the World Health Organization as well, uh, cardiovascular diseases cause the death of seventeen point nine million people per year, oh, wow. uh, corresponding to thirty one percent of all deaths. Uh, of these, eighty five percent are directly how associated. Many? How many? Thirty one percent of all deaths. That's amazing. Uh, Third, yeah, but yeah, of the population are dying uh, of these. Um, I mean, not amazing. Not in yeah, that sense, of course. Yeah, no. of course. It's a, it's a huge figure, right? Yeah. Uh, of these, eighty-five percent are directly associated with stroke and heart attack, and you know, ar- arterial hypertension, coronary arteries, ar- uh, artery disease, and uh, many other you know cardiovascular diseases are linked to these deaths. So you know, um, they speak about how you know we need to have good diet as well. You know, we were speaking about diet, yeah. not having too many fatty acids in it within your body, um, and you know, have a properly. Uh, and you know, we were talking about. Uh, she was talking about the gut as well. Yeah. So uh, it's mentioned here as well that a healthy gut uh, microbiota is required for optimal homeostasis. And uh, you know you might have learned what homeostasis is in in you know in science back in school, and uh, you know what um, that covers is basically for the gut uh, immune system uh, to be in a proper proper state for you to be uh, have a stable body and uh, to basically go about your day and not have any problems. So you know it's very important to have these vitamins, these minerals in your diet as well. Uh, have a proper balanced diet as well so your gut bacteria stays at a proper normal level yeah. and it can help you as well absolutely i mean there were there were some scientists um who actually linked factors produced by our gut uh, mm. microbiome to to diverse conditions such as even parkinson's disease and autism yeah and uh, these microbes uh, also have an effect effective role in um, cam- cancer immunotherapy so even after somebody does have cancer mm. um the therapy that um um, you know that that they go through as well. After the, these microbes can actually help in that as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I mean, the researchers they've noticed that people in multiple independent cohorts who went to have um, to have this treatment, um, or who had heart uh, heart diseases or stroke, mm. uh, or even death from a from one of these, um, also had high levels of mole- molecule called a TMAQ. Yeah. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to read out what that means, but mm. but these, these kind of things that come from foods rich in um, uh, choline, including red meats, eggs, uh, li- um, and liver. Mm. So, I mean, these, it, show, it just goes to show that the, what, you, what you, you are what you eat. Mm. And, um, and these kind of foods, which I mentioned just now, the red meats, eggs, liver, when you have a, high, a diet which is rich in all of these things and you don't have... The balance that comes from you know from, from the fruit and the vegetables mm. and you know other other, other food um, um, other different portions of food, then you're risking you're increasing that risk of um, of later on in life having a cardiovascular disease of of having even even these mm. um, you know different diseases that were mentioned such as Parkinson's such as um, yeah. Um, and even cancer as well. Mm-hmm. So, what what does Islam say about this? So, the the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said that. A human being fills no worse vessel than his stomach. It is sufficient for a human being to eat a few mouthfuls to keep his spine straight. But if he must fill it, 
then one third of food, one third for drink, and one third for air. Uh, and regarding the diet uh, of um, the founder of the MDA Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it is said that in uh, in suhoor, so when you wake up for for your fast during the month of Ramadan, there usually uh, you know used to be. Uh, a curry dish for him yeah. or a chicken leg and uh, an Indian sweet dish yeah. and um, he would uh, you know um, also take uh, a paratha which is you know um, it's like a fried Indian uh, chapati roti type thing yeah. and um, he would uh, th- only eat a small amount of it so you know uh, he would practice the teachings of the Holy Prophet peace and yeah. blessings of Allah he wouldn't stuff his, stuff his, yeah. the, his mouth and yeah. uh, fill his stomach just like Definitely. some people do nowadays where Definitely. you think you have to eat you have to fill your stomach so mm. that you can fast yeah. whereas no the body doesn't actually need that much mm. um, and as it says in the Holy Quran as well Kulu wa wala tusrifu, that mm. eat and drink but do not exceed its bounds absolutely yeah so I mean, I, I mean even uh, research shows how um, filling your stomach I, I don't mm. remember the exact figures but they're very similar to what uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him mm. uh, mentioned about yeah. filling it one third of food one third water mm. or drink or whatever and then one third leave for for the air mm. um, that there was similar research which was done um, there's something I'll have to dig up later yeah um, uh, it shows that that this is the optimum mm. um, way of, of eating mm. um, to, to to have a, a healthy lifestyle and to you know to take care of your body as well Hmm. Um, I mean, I've been watching those. I don't know if you've seen this something called on Netflix called uh, the Blue Zones, living to live to one hundred. Um, okay. It's uh, it's to do with um, specific pockets of of areas in 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 in, in the world where hmm. there there is a high density of people who live to a hundred or more. Hmm. And and this person would go around to the the presenter would go around to all of these different places, and he's researched into this for for decades. Yeah, and he'd ask them what is the secret to their to living like this, and in many of the places the they have this saying before they even before they eat, they would say this thing where it's um I think it was um have only like eighty percent or seventy percent of uh, of your stomach filled mm. and nothing more and the rest leave for air or something like that. Yeah. So it's a very similar mm. principle in place there. And Definitely. that's and, and you know so then there's people who raise allegations against Islam like Islam is uh, it can't be from God Almighty, mm. you know, it's a false religion and mm. you know, um you know, how could it be that had the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, yeah. knew this over fourteen hundred mm. years ago, um, and gave us these very same principles, which are which we now see are very beneficial for uh, for the human body. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, dear listeners, we are drawing to a close to this topic. We'll be ending on a very brief audio clip of um, the fourth Caliph of the MD Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed. Uh, may Allah have mercy on him. Um, and then we will be taking a very short break and getting into our second segment of the morning. So don't go anywhere and please do enjoy this audio clip. I know this may be my second question, but uh, why did God Almighty introduce disease and poverty, uh, disease to the creatures of the earth? What is disease? Sickness. Lack of health. Yes. So it is health which God gave us by misbehaving by not caring for our health, we fall ill. You see, this air which we are breathing today, now here, all of us together, is polluted with all sorts of bacteria. If we were not healthy, we will all die. We will catch 101 types of diseases. So it is what disease is, is essentially lack of health. If human beings had behaved correctly, 
and uh, in the light of the teachings of Allah had framed their way of life, I believe there would be very little uh, misery, there would be very little disease. Still, disease cannot be wiped out, even if we behave well. Why? Because it has other uh, uh, objectives to achieve. According to Allah, according to the scheme of things, this life on earth is a life of trial, happiness and sorrow, pleasure and pain, health and disease. So life continues to oscillate between these two extremities. And in each of the two, we are tried. And it is a, like an examination hall where the, the boys are asked questions and they are not permitted the use of books. Well, all the year round, if they don't use books, they will be punished for not be using books. But in the examination hall, the rules are changed. You are punished if you, if you consult your books there in the examination hall. So the world, the life on earth here is like a huge examination hall where we are tried, both in health and in, sick, in sickness. So when you are sick and you become uh, restless and impatient and you start complaining to God, why have you made me sick and this and that, then you have failed your examination. If in your sickness you be patient and you address to God and say, Oh Allah, you created health. I, by my fault, have fallen ill. I am suffering, but I am not complaining. I only beg of you to grant me health. Then you have passed your examination. Such a case of a noble man appearing in such an examination has been mentioned in the Holy Quran. The Holy Quran tells us that once Abraham was tried by Allah in a case of, of fall in, 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 in a case when he fell ill. His reaction, which has been retained in the Holy Quran, preserved for, the, for us to take our lessons from, is this, that he says, Vaiza maristo yashfin. He Speaking to others, he said, It is I who fall ill because of my mistakes, and it is Allah who cures. So, in that short expression, the essence of Abrahamic qualities is contained. And that also teaches us the way to behave in sickness. And when we are happy, when we are affluent, when we are wealthy, when we have all that we desire, that also is a trial. You may forget God. You may forget the poor sections of the society, the suffering humanity, those who are dying of hunger in Africa or elsewhere, and you enjoy yourself and do not care about your fellow human beings, then also you have failed in your trial. So because this life on earth here is a life of trials between these two extremes of pleasure and pain and health and sickness, etc., so the question is invalid. Why pain? If there is trial of, 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 of uh, pleasure, there also has to be pain. If there is a trial of health, there also has to be sickness and disease. Got it? Or no?
satisfied yes good allahu akbar allahu akbar allahu akbar allahu akbar اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان محمدا listening to the voice of islam radio you're listening to the voice of islam radio broadcasting on dab via the internet 24 hours a day Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful welcome back to the breakfast show dear listeners uh, we will now be delving straight into our second segment the evolution of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community through Jalsa Salana UK The message of peace in Jalsa Salana is explored by external sources. So what is, the viewers you know the listeners might be wondering what is Jalsa Salana? Jalsa Salana is the formal um, annual gathering of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It was initiated by the promised Messiah may Allah um, may um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in uh, Qadian a remote village in um, in India in 1891. The first um, you know jalsa uh, had an attendance of 75 members. The jalsa also spans almost 3 days full of activities ranging from speeches and uh, his holiness um, um, may Allah help his uh, you know may Allah be may Allah help him uh, with his uh, addresses, exhibitions and a bazaar a, a small uh, you know uh, you could say a food court basically which sells various different things not just food such as clothes and stuff. Uh, since then the gathering has expanded to thousands and is held on international scale in uh, july uh, the 2023 annual uk jalsa salana in hadikatul mahdi had an attendance of just over 41000 with attendees uh, coming from 118 different countries and you know it recently um, germany germany also had their you know jalsa salana and they had uh, you know guests of uh, up to uh, i think i believe more than 45 46, 000? approximately 46000 yeah, yeah. yeah. Ar- around 46000 so we do have uh, you know a- another ahmadi brother that we will be speaking with now a guest um, so we will be speaking with uh, arslan ahmed who is a uh, vo- um, who likes to you know serve the ahmadi muslim community Um good morning peace be upon you assalamu alaikum warahmatullah and welcome to the breakfast show. Uh I believe the line has uh, has dropped uh we will try and reconnect and speak to that guest in a short while. 
Uh, in the meantime, let's mention. We yes, can also mention that because of um, recently, like because of COVID, like mm. uh, a lot of the, the the annual conventions were either very small scale or they weren't. Yeah. they weren't. We weren't well, able so to. So well, one year it didn't happen at all. It didn't right? happen at all. Yeah. And then the second year was very very uh, small scale. And it was, I think it was just limited to those yeah. who live in the UK. Yeah. It, was, um, no, it was limited, I believe, to just those in the vicinity of where you know His Holiness is in in Islam. Oh yes, in, yes, in, yeah. In um, Tilford. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's yeah. a, it was a welcome. It was a yeah. welcome um, thing to have it back at yeah. full scale once again. Yeah. I believe we do have um, our caller. Yeah, I, b- back. I believe our caller is back with us. Yeah. Uh, assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Um, Arslan Ahmed. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullah. Uh, how are you doing this morning, brother? I'm very well. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. By the grace of Allah, uh, all is well. So, w- what does the Jalsa Salana mean to you? Jalsa Salana means to me is it kind of refreshed me throughout the whole year, but like the whole tiredness of my whole year, the work that I've been doing, the day to day routine, and when I come out of those routine and go three days, actually not three days, I usually go to. I take my annual leave for Jalsa Salana because it's refresh, it, it refreshes me. Hmm. And what actually it means bringing all the community together and uplifting the spiritual level, listening to Khalif al-Masih's speeches, Allah Ta'ala bin Aziz, may Allah be his helper. Hmm. And uh, bringing those speeches in our personal practical life, hmm. implementing in our practical life and our personal life, that really improves the lifestyle as well. So overall, it's, it's uplifting the spirituality, brotherhood among the community. Hmm. Definitely, definitely. So uh, according to you, um, what do you think is the aim of the Jalsa Salana? It's again, um, bringing the worldwide community and in, in the hand of one leader hmm. and making sure that we all unite together and it's, uh, it's unity, to improve the unity among the community. Definitely, definitely. Um, how would you say that um, you know? How would you say that the Jalsa Salana has contributed to the progress of the MDA Muslim community? I have been in the United Kingdom for the last eleven years, and mm. I have been attending. I think I haven't missed a single Jalsa. Mm. It's just the co- during COVID that we didn't have a Jalsa. Yeah. So, what I have seen mm. uh, every year, the Whenever there is a Jalsa, I personally go there and meet new people hmm. and bring new connections, build up new connections. And those connections are still with me from hmm. last 10 years, if I see that, if I see back 10 years, not past. Hmm. And year, in, year on a year. And that's, that's what I actually just said, building up brotherhood and unity together hmm. in the community. That is uh, something... If Jalsa Salana helps, uh, and I'm sure that's how he helps other community as well. Yeah, overall, definitely. So you yourself, you you know, you're serving as the general secretary of uh, the Fuzzle Mosque region um, in in Southfields um, of of the MD Muslim community. So, uh, what do you think? How does the Jalsa Salana benefit MDs individually as you you know you're very in touch with the with the youth and the, you know the other elders of the community as well again it's um, that the whenever for every individual hmm. there are different favorite parts of Jalsa 
Yeah. So if you really pick, uh, but what I have been listening from different people, hmm. what I have been de- reading the reviews from different youth or different community members. Yes. For someone is is basically uh, is offering five daily prayers behind Khalif al Masih. Hmm. That's the favorite part. Definitely. For some individuals, and in the back, the, the pledge that we take on the Khalif al Masih hand, hmm. uh, international match, that is the favorite part. Hmm. For few people meeting uh, uh, with other people among other friends and doing duties on Jalsa Salana and serving the Jalsa Salana guest, Khalifatul hmm. Masih guest, that's favorite part of it as well. Hmm. So overall, um, it's it, it, it's again it different ma- different for different people it matches differently. Yeah. Uh, again, for individual, it, it definitely impacts the life and it's a life changing experiences as well. For me. Hmm. Um, I, I'll share the experience that I have that I dedicated my six days to uh, to, set, uh, to, to, to do Vakarim, the volunteer hmm. one. Yeah. Set Salana first time in 2016. Hmm. And before 2016, um, my life was not what not much very touched with the community and hmm. with the the connection of God. I would say. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that. One of my youth leaders, which we call my kite sub, he asked mm. me to, let's go, we, you are free. Mm. We go six days, we spend six days there and let's see how it goes. And, like, and he's like, if you don't like it, they can come back earlier. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's fine, I'm off, let's go. Mm. When I've been there and I see like different, like more than uh, more than 200 people every day mm. come to Jalsa site and they're building the Jalsa site mm. and they eat together, they work together. Mm. They offer a prayer together, and mm. then when it comes to night time, I mean, we we, it, we sit together and discuss our experiences. Mm. That was a life-changing moment. And after that, I have seen a huge change in my personal life where I started offering daily five daily prayers. Mm. Um, I, I got more involved in the volunteer work. I mm. got more involved in the community work. And ever since, it every year, I booked my two years, two weeks annual leave mm. just for the Salana. Mm. So I can help and go there and experience new things. That's that's great work that you're doing, you know, and we're very, you know, delighted to hear your experience as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, this morning. And for now, have a good morning. Take care and peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam. Jazakallah for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So that was, uh, you know, um, Arslan Ahmed, uh, you know, he's had, uh, you could say, a life-changing experience through Jalsa Zalana. And what his thoughts are, and how he sees that uh, you know the Jalsa Salana is benefiting um, not just himself, but you know the other community members as well. I think he mentioned one of the he mentioned one of the things that were important to mm. him um, in terms of the Jalsa. Yeah, and uh, he talked about you know the brotherhood. Mm, That's definitely. actually one of the four um, significant um, objectives that mm. the Promised Messiah peace be upon him um, he set for this for the purpose of having holding the Jalsas. I'll just quickly run through them before we move go on to our next guest. Yeah. Um, so the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, he, he mentioned the four purposes of this blessed convention hmm. are to increase one's communion with Allah the Almighty. Yeah. Um, so that you know, Ahmadi brothers, the people who do come in and attend, they can inc- strengthen their relationship with God Almighty. Hmm. The second was to pray for those brothers who have passed away. Yeah. The third is to meet new members and increase in brotherhood, which is what we discussed just hmm. now. And the fourth is to gain and increase in knowledge. So this is a purely spiritual um, gathering, one in which um, people have come for, for not a world, no worldly purpose at all. 
is purely for a spiritual uh, purpose to increase in one's com- communion with God Almighty and, and increase in this, strengthen their brotherhood and ties of kinship uh, with those around them. So We, we do have yeah. uh, our next uh, go- uh, guest caller, an Ahmadi sister, uh, that we will be speaking to. So, so we have Madiha <coughs> Mubarak um, Jima, uh, who currently st- is studying law um, and a Quranic commentary teacher. She is also a Quranic commentary teacher at the Aisha Academy UK. Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you and thank you for, for joining us on the show this morning. So the first question is, um, just in, in your opinion, how does Jalsa Salana, you know, the annual gathering, how does it benefit the wider community? Um, in terms of our community and like in terms of the, the rest of the world, um, I think Jalsa promotes this sort of interfaith dialogue and understanding so, like, whether it's non-Ahmadis or just us Ahmadis ourselves, um, we attend the event often to witness the spirit of unity and peace and love that permeates every aspect of Jalsa. And it gives us a chance to sort of engage in meaningful conversations and, like, with fellow Ahmadis and to learn the true teachings of Islam yet again. And sort of news coverage that we have kind of helps with that as well I, I, I guess because it becomes like a wide wider sort of thing um, you know experiencing the various ex- exhibitions and like speeches and everything held during Jalsa serve as this sort of educational platform for us um, where non-MD guests and us MD guests as well can sort of gain a deeper understanding of our Islamic values and then of there's also like this sort of harmony and goodwill yes. among us all throughout the community, I say. So, I mean, a lot of people who do come and attend, the non-Ahmadi guests or the non-Muslim guests, let's say, they they notice one thing in particular is how the, the youth are very much involved and they, they are very um, in the forefront in terms of their service and their voluntary work um, in making it, they're an integral part, let's say, of, the, of running the Jalsa. So I just wanted to ask, how, what effect does the Jalsa have on the younger generation? What is it that's, that's driving them to do this? Yeah. yeah, so I thought about this and I, honestly, like my um, Aisha Kadi principal says, things like that give you a sort of transformative um, sort of level up. So like, I think in terms of Jalsa Salana, it has a transformative effect on the younger generation, myself included. So it kind of gives all of us young Ahmadis a unique platform where we're able to connect with our faith and community and our spiritual identity and I think even like through my duties I've seen so many young Ahmadis actively engage in volunteering and learning about like Islam and I think you know like I've had the opportunity to witness firsthand how it benefits the young generation because you'll see that like the involvement of little kids under the age of seven doing water duty, water supply, drinking water duties. And it's genuinely like heartwarming to like witness their enthusiasm and participation. Um, And yeah, I think that even if children that are very, very small are not able to comprehend the teachings that are being spoken about in the speeches, there is still something that goes on in their minds and it kind of inspires this sort of sense of purpose in them and commitment and responsibility in the youth and yeah things like that I think also like the we're inculcating in them the 
the habit of um, servitude and to help um, those around them and to always be of service and to do things selflessly as well. Even where, where we see like little five, six, seven year olds, you know, giving out water, as you said. Um, I mean, it's something to, it's really, it's a marvel in in, in, in one way because um, from such a young age, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're developing a habit of, of, of being there for others. Um, and those are Islamic principles which are being inculcated in them. You mentioned earlier about the, um, the Aisha Academy. Um, can you, um, just for our listeners, uh, describe what that is and let them know um, what the purpose of that is? Oh, Aisha Academy, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, so it's a kind of, um, it's an institution for um, theology and modern languages. So we kind of have 12 subjects. We're kind of looking at uh, the Holy Quran, and we're taught by Ibtikar trained teachers, you know, Hibs al Quran, the commentary, which is what I teach, as, as well as my uh, friend Miss Maryam, and um, split words and everything like that. Sort of the the foundation of what's required of us Ahmadis to understand our faith more. You know, we also look at the Promised Messiah, Islam, uh, may peace be upon him. Um, books in depth, um, you know, like Noah's Ark and all of the really kind of key ones um, that we can use for the belief purposes. And honestly, like it's had the most transformative effect on myself as well as my classmates from last year. You know, we're able to speak so confidently, alhamdulillah, um, to our non-Ahmadi um, sort of acquaintances. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, um, and did you say that these this is just open to, to, to women or is it open to men and women? Um, this one's open to women because um, men have their own version known as Jamia. So it's only for one year for the ages between 16 to 30. Um, so, yeah, just the student legend, the young legend, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, you can join any time and it's online and in person as well. Yeah, Just just staying on that line of thought um, and going off script a little bit, um, mm. back to the Jalsa when, you know, some people see it as very strange in the sense that there's a segregation between the men and the women. Um, and some people may see that as men, um, you know, forcing women um, to be separate and making it difficult for them in a way. Um, so what is your experience of this as, as somebody who's probably worked at Jalsa and served there on the on the ladies' side? Um, how does that, having that separate um, space um, for women, how does that, um, what impact does that have on you? Well, I think first we need to understand the sort of religious aspect of this, like why we have this. Um, you know, this such segregation between men and women, it's it's based on what the Quran has said for us. And I think this is based on this belief that it helps maintain modesty of ours and reduces distractions during like worship and during the attendances. I think if we're along with our, we're with our, fellow sisters or brothers are with their fellow brothers, it just helps them more in terms of sort of, you know, not having inappropriate interactions and yeah. you just have less less going on in that way. It's more about modesty and respect between the, the genders. I think it's a really important thing and we feel so comfortable as women even to just be with each other because we're, we're able to be how we are and, you know, there's a sort of bird aspect anyway, but you know we can kind of feel more comfortable. Yeah, I think I think His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Rasul Ahmed Mirlabi's help also mentioned when he was questioned about this. He said that um, women tend to thrive a lot more when they are not in the shadow of men. So they're when they're when they're allowed to work in their own space, 
they they tend to do even sometimes even excel the men in some of the works that they do so i think that that i think the jalsa is one of those examples as well where you know the men are working on their side and they're running everything the way that they would and the women mm-hmm. are able to run things the way that they would like to and and it it's it's it suits them as well and helps them to to run things the way that that you know that would be more convenient for them if that makes sense so um just moving on to the next question then because um we spoke about the objectives of the of the jalsa salana the annual gathering of the ahmadi muslim community one of those was to strengthen your relationship with god almighty so how can the jalsa actually um help us to achieve that goal well like obviously we have jalsa for the aim of sort of that this like powerful spiritual rejuvenation for us ahmadis and i think it offers this sort of opportunity for all of us you know in terms of strengthening our faith with um and relationship with god you know to disconnect from the distractions of the the world and like immerse ourselves in this environment of prayer and reflection and spiritual growth and of course like the heart of jesus lies in the inspiring speeches and sermons delivered by hazur may Allah be his helper and such speeches provide this sort of guidance on how to lead this righteous life and deepen our understanding of the quran and nurture a sort of stronger bond with our creator allah ta'ala and it's during these moments that many of us feel this profound connection with god and so we leave jalsa with this renewed spiritual like energy and purpose yeah. i'm sure a lot of people would agree absolutely and um you mentioned so you mentioned how these things benefit the ahmadi muslims who are attending the jalsa the annual gathering but how can the jalsa actually benefit the non ahmadi guests those who for example you know may be of no faith or maybe christians or jews or buddhists or any other religion how can the, the jalsa benefit them oh this is honestly a great question because i myself have brought guests to jalsa and you know they're of different faiths christianity or just you know atheists themselves they really like sort of love the atmosphere but yeah no as we know jalsa salana is not just a gathering for ahmadis it's um you know so like when i've served just during jalsa i witnessed non ahmadi guests expressing admiration um for the sense of this community and hospitality and love that they encounter at jalsa and this atmosphere leaves this lasting impression on them and like there was a Friday sermon on this just 2 weeks ago where um hazur may allah be his helper said that you know he gave so many examples if you just listen to that one hour speech you know there's that jet like christian journalist from macedonia i think and you know teacher from slovakia you know things like that where they experience well they see us during the bet which is the initiation of faith and you know people like them have said that they were unable to hold back their emotions and have cried throughout the bet ceremony just as we have and there are so many people who have turned towards the, the true islam as well and hazur gave an example of a guest from syria i believe who intended to stay for only a day and then would return home but then upon seeing the atmosphere he decided to remain at jalsa site and even said he'd sleep on the floor and that means that he was really impacted by jalsa and so much yeah but yeah there's uh, there's wonderful examples and um and there were as you said there were many many more examples of holiness um presented in that specific sermon 
Uh, and I'm sure the list was uh, extensive and exhaustive as well. But, um, but thank you very much, Jazakumullah, for, for joining us on the show, Madiha. And um, have a lovely rest of the day. That was uh, Madiha Mubarak Chima, who currently studies law MA and and she's one of the teachers at the at the Aisha Academy UK. Hmm. I mean, she she's given us some good insight. Definitely, because um, speaking to Arsalan Ahmed before hmm. was was uh, give us one hmm. aspect to it. Yeah, and Madiha was able to give us another side where you know with the women also their contributions within the Jalsa is not anything hmm. less than what the men are giving. And um, um, she's mentioned especially how. You know the non-Ahmadi guests, those who are non-Muslims, even they come, and they somehow they've gone away, mm. uh, also spiritually charged, and been completely impressed by the atmosphere there, and wanting to learn more about, and they've and they've gone away with a lot of knowledge um, about Islam, mm. and that's one of the big well, big um, benefits of that is that people get to see what the true Islam is because the Ahmadi Muslim community um, claim to be um, you know the the community that follow the way of the true teachings of Islam. Definitely. The way that the in the pristine form that the way the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him used to practice as well. Hmm. So clearly, it is having a positive impact on the world, not hmm. just the the Hamdi Muslims who belong to the community, yeah. but also to those who um, you know who have come from outside the external guests and they've they've seen having you know having in, been involved in this jalsa, the way that Islam truly is a religion of peace, a religion hmm. that looks after the rights of others hmm. and uh, and promotes this um, inter-religious harmony and love and compassion. Hmm. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, and, you know, in, in regards to this, um, Allah the Almighty, you know, um, also instructs us um, that uh, in the Holy Quran, he says that, and um, so basically that uh, strive in the cause of Allah as it behoves you to strive for it. He has chosen for you and has laid no hardship upon you in religion. So follow the faith for your father, Abraham. He named you Muslims both before and in this book, so that the messenger may be a witness over you and that you may be a witness over mankind. Therefore observe prayer and pay the zakat and hold fast to Allah. He is your master, an excellent master and an excellent helper. And Allah has promised to those among you who believe and do good works, that he will surely make them successors in the earth, as he made successors from among those who were before them, and that he will surely establish for them their religion, which he has chosen for them, and that he will surely give them in exchange security and peace after their fear. They will worship me, and they will not associate anything with me. Then whoso is ungrateful after that, they will be the rebellious." So here, you know, in these verses of the Holy Quran, you know, Allah the Almighty is teaching us that, you know, he has sent for us a, a leader in the form of the current caliph of the MDM Muslim community and those uh, caliphs before him and, you know, the founder of the MDM Muslim community because, you know, the uh, the faith basically from earth, it had been uplifted, right? It had, according to a narration of the yeah. Holy uh, Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it had gone, uh, gone to the start of uh, Pleiades, yeah. right? And uh, the man that will bring it down, the the human being uh, that will bring it down would be the second coming of, uh, you know, uh, Jesus. Um, Messiah, uh, yeah. Jesus the, the Messiah would be the promised Messiah. Uh, and uh, we see that in today's day and age that we are living in this day and age where, you know, the... Faith has basically, it has left the earth, right? And uh, for the rejuvenation of faith, 
the promised messiah the, the uh, who was foretold has come and you know there's great missions happening internationally such as these annual gatherings annual conventions and uh, you know it's not just for the MDA muslim community we welcome any guests any external guests who would like to know more about what is happening in the MDA muslim community or you know they would just like to have a, a different experience to see what what is happening and we do have many different uh, you know um, interfaith guests that do come uh to the annual gathering as well and they uh, as we heard from one of our guests that you know it's a very very spiritual experience for them as well yeah and you know when they see the something like the uh in uh, the faith uh, initiation ceremony they 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 can't help themselves but to also break down you know there's many different people that you know they would they are atheists or they're christians they break down as well in tears seeing this uh you know uplifting um such an emotional such an emotional ceremony exactly. that occurs you know um some people might be thinking like when you mentioned how you know faith you know has been risen has been taken away mm. from the earth and gone to a star called Pleiades mm. and I think that sounds that sounds ridiculous yeah um obviously it has a, a metaphorical and spiritual meaning to it of course in the sense that you know that there comes a time in 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 any religion mm. where the beginning there is a high spiritual level of course but when whenever a prophet appears mm. and uh, you know brings that faith to the people the true message um, of that specific religion mm. and then after a period of time there is a there's a period of darkness where mm. people have moved away from the religion and um and this is the case with with many religions um mm. in this day and age because it's it's something that we can all actually witness mm. uh, we see in this day and age how um there is a big there are many onslaughts on religion mm. there's many uh um uh, you can say there's an agenda yeah into moving phasing religion out of mm. all of society mm. um and even the recent um polls uh, statistics have show, shown us how even here in the UK mm. um you know the majority it's been a majority, majority christian believe, religion yeah. for a long time yeah and re- they they believe that religion you know causes wars yeah it's it's the main reason for wars yeah uh, and uh, you know that's that's not the case um even if you look at the true teachings of of christianity yeah or you know judaism um you look at their true teachings uh they 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 do not uh, cause or preach anything of this sort right they 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 teach peace absolutely right? i think that's a fundamental peace and part, harmony. fundamental yes. um part to all religions mm. because uh, we believe as ahmadi muslim communities that uh, as ahmadi muslims that mm. all religions at their source they're from god almighty yeah. so it cannot be that different religions are teaching Uh, some are teaching to fight one another mm. some are teaching to to be peaceful it doesn't make sense that the same god would give different messages mm. in that sense mm. um of course we believe that you know the prophets of the past were sent to their own people mm. to give them to preach to their own people in their own specific times and and, and eras yeah. um but the message of islam is universal and is for mm. everybody mm. and so it cannot be that god perfected a religion in a form that is violent mm. a form that is uh you know teaching um his servants to to fight one another if they don't believe in one specific form of his religion not the yeah. other so um so so in that sense our our listeners can understand mm. how you know religion truly has uh been taken from the earth and you know they see the people there's so many movements now nowadays mm. which are completely against uh religious teachings mm. and it's being seen in the lens of the media mm. as something which is backwards something mm. which is of the past yeah. and that people do not need anymore yeah. uh, whereas the case is that you know the majority of the world still are religious mm. and um and that religion in itself is something which is um shaping their their moral conduct mm. 
hmm. and bringing them towards um you know a society which is peaceful and and a society where well, it should anyway hmm. that that is the problem is that a lot of people again as i said yeah. there's the, the period of darkness that comes even if yeah. people are claiming to be religious hmm. their actions um say otherwise hmm. and so that is the reason why we believe that the promised messiah peace be upon him hazrat mirza ghulam ahmed um came to this earth and was hmm. sent by god almighty to then reclaim that hmm. and bring that faith once again and that is what the work of the ahmadi muslim community is hmm. and the jalsa salana that we that we're discussing right now hmm. the annual convention is one of those key ways of showing the world that we have we we live our lives according mm. to the principles of islam yeah. we bring brotherhood uh, to one another and we that spirituality and focusing on things which are important in life mm. and you know it, it doesn't take just an ahmadi to realize that because um, any person who comes and attends will mm. be able to see themselves that you know you know what yeah. religion does have value and yeah. it's clearly benefiting the lives of these people mm. and is shaping their lives in a way that is incredible mm. and they're dedicating their lives truly to the sense and, and to the to the cause of faith mm. um and so you know as as you said there were there's lots of instances where people have come and they've and they've seen the truth or yeah, at least definitely. they've learned something which is definitely, which definitely. Uh, which has removed their misconceptions definitely and even if it's not you know it got anything to do with the spiritual sense or yeah. you know got, if you're not speaking about god they come and they see the brotherhood yeah. and they see the you know the service that uh, the fellow brothers are giving to to mankind to people that they don't know yeah. right they just It, and they're doing it from the goodness of their heart and the sense of uh, you know belonging sense of brotherhood the sense of unity that you see even that has brought tears to people's eyes i think <laughs> one other aspect we haven't mm. mentioned is uh, uh, whoever comes also gets fed free free yeah. meals every yeah. Sing- yeah. every single day of the jalsa exactly every meal for example all the people who attend mm. the uh, the event are fed free of charge mm. there are 192 active fires cooking rice pasta mm. chicken lamb Mm. um and even also um you know european dishes as yeah. well uh for those who cannot mm. uh, eat the more the more spicy food yeah. and that is something which a lot of the guests have actually mm. um commented upon saying mm. that the food is delicious mm. and the you know if, if they haven't gained any spiritual benefit at least mm. they've gained some uh, yeah. some nutritional benefit <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely um but and yeah there's a there's even a whole like um, yeah. a whole roti plant there as well which yeah. is like um like a, a little factory creating How, chapatis uh, yeah thousands uh, like of chapatis thousands of chapatis at like an, an hour or something yeah it's crazy right? yeah but yes yeah, like it's the whole like a mini village which is set up mm. within a Definitely. within a farm a farmland um, yeah. and which has to be like dismantled all mm. within like With huge tents exactly that, uh, marquees that uh, it occurs in uh, and you know just uh, speaking about you know islam it teaches the you, the, the oneness of god Yeah. Right. Uh, emphasizes the oneness of God and how it says the Holy Quran is a perfect book. So just going on a bit of a tangent here that um I was recently seeing a interview uh, or something with uh, Ricky Gervais, he's a famous celebrity. Yeah. He was speaking to another he was on a, like a talk host, you know those uh, shows with the with the talk hosts. Uh one of those late night shows. Yeah. And they were speaking about how the 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 talk host was um, he was a, a Christian. and he was um Ricky Gervais he says he's an agnostic atheist or basically someone who does, could be a being could be a being no he doesn't know so so therefore he does not believe hmm. because it cannot be proven so he would say that you know i uh, would ask you prove that there is a god and you, you guys are just believing in it right hmm. there's no actual proof that you have according to science so he was saying he, the argument he raised was that uh so you asked the person how many gods do you believe in he said i believe in three persons right so you know he believes in the trinity 
Oh, uh, the, the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The host believed in the Trinity. And yeah. he said, so I, there's the, around 3,000 gods in the world that people believe in. Uh, around 2,900 something odd gods, right? That people believe in. Uh, and he said, I just, so you believe in three. I just believe in three less than you. Right. That was his argument that he was presenting. And he was saying that, uh, you know, if you take uh, any of the scriptures uh, that are, you know, supposedly that people claim that are revealed by God. Yeah. And you give you get rid of them. You give it a few thousand years. They will always be alternation uh, alteration you will find in those scriptures. Right. They will always be alteration. But uh, in terms of scientific discoveries, which are proven. You give it a few thousand years, they will always come back to the same scientific discoveries because that's just how science works. So that's why he believed in science. But where, as you take the Holy Quran, for example, it's been 1,400 years. You forgot to mention is, that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it is a perfectly preserved book. Yeah. It is proven, even proven by science that it is a perfectly uh, preserved book, right? Um, I mean, even the recent discovery yeah. of the, uh, I think the Birmingham, yeah. the, the copy which is yeah, in the Birmingham exactly. Museum over there. That that also shows how mm. the, there were no alterations. The same copy as the, that was, I think that's the oldest. Yeah, it's the oldest. Dated, yeah, um, oldest dated Quran. To I think it goes to the Caliphate of the Hazrat Usman. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah. But anyway, it goes to show that yeah. the same wording is there mm. at the same time. At the exactly. time there. Exactly. Exactly. So you know that promise of God Almighty has, has uh, that He will look after. You know, He will look after the word. His His word basically. Yeah. Right. And that's that, scientifically proven through those discoveries as well. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, so yeah, that was really interesting to me. That I was, you know, I was thinking about this. That you know, there's many alter- alterations in, in in the Bible as well. There's many different versions. The King James version, and you know, there's ma- many different versions. Uh, and you know, the Old Testament as well. There's, uh, you know, it was lost and then it was rewritten, and all of this happened, right? And uh, but in in terms of Islam, it is a perfect book which was preserved by. Allah the Almighty Himself. Yeah, and we 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 see this in today's day and age. But anyway, like uh, it's obviously very interesting, and mm. um, it goes to show that you know the what we what we present in Islam is, yeah. is something which is actually, in a sense, is different to um, unique in the sense mm. of, of all the world religions. Mm. In a sense that what it, what it still teaches is what is pristine in the form of the Holy Quran that it that has been preserved. And the Holy Quran also, you know, it testifies. To the other books, other scriptures of God, yeah, the, the Old Testament, it, yeah, the yeah. truthfulness, uh, all the truthful aspects, uh, um, and it, you know it testifies to Jesus, uh, may, may um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his truthfulness, and Mary as well, his mother. You know it testifies to all of these previous prophets' truthfulness, and also removes, um, any, like answers any, the any, allegations yeah, and the accusations exactly. which are made against many of these uh, the prophets. Mm. But anyway, there's like a before just before we end the show, like yeah. um, I think we we'll end it on. Um, some of the comments that some mm. of these um, guests have have made after mm. having attended the jalsa. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's one person called uh, Antonio Gonzalez de, de Haro from Granada who explains after meeting an Ahmadi, mm. he became informed uh, of these spiritual opinions. Mm. Antonio said how telling his parents was one of the biggest problems. However, it did not stop him from taking the path of Ahmadiyyat. Um, after hearing the four things about Islam that he had never heard of in his life, in his own words, he said, his heart said, I found it. Mm. Like, it's as if he had this spiritual yearning and at the Jalsa is exactly where he found that treasure that he had been uh, seeking for for however many years he was yeah. looking. And and that's, that's this is just one example. Um, you know, people from all over the world, they've, 
they've seen dreams many many years ago hmm. and attending the jalsa they they realized like the person who I saw in my dream was none other than either the you know the promised messiah peace be upon him or the 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 caliph the the khalifas who have come after him hmm. uh, like the present caliph the the head of the ahmadi muslim community has arisen masur ahmed and these jalsas kind of serve as a a way for them to then have that realization a wait hmm. god almighty was guiding me and this is the the place where he was uh, it was all leading to Definitely. and you know so that's so the jalsa in that sense is um a spiritual awakening for hmm. some people hmm. um who you can say in a sense were spiritually deprived or spiritually um dead and they've and they've and they've become you know they're now thriving in that hmm. sense and they've they found that purpose and that that goal that they were they were looking for hmm. definitely so dear listeners we are coming to a close on today's show we hope you've enjoyed today's show so far would like to you know thank all our guests that uh Uh, you know tuned in and uh, gave us insight and our listeners as well and you know I'd like to thank the producers Tamsila Khurram and uh, Namood Isahar and the researchers Mehrish Togar Tanzila Khur- uh, Tanzil Khurram Zainab Khan and obviously the technical department uh, brother Akib Ahmed and uh, as always you know my fellow presenter as well uh, brother Nuruddin Jangir you know it's always a pleasure presenting with you here at the Voice of Islam Um for now dear listeners do have a good morning take care and peace be upon you